It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, squeezing a quick travel day edition. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass. As we talk horse hockey, get ready for the weekend in San Jose. The Henderson Silver Knights will have their first two meetings of the season with the San Jose Barracuda at SAP Center. Hello, friends. Great to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. Again, it is a travel day for the Henderson Silver Knights. They fly this afternoon, so want to make sure we touched base with you before the plane took off because, well, it's been a couple of weeks with the Christmas break and uh, really a a bit of a a disjointed AHL schedule over the course of the last uh, two weeks that kept us off the air, but now we're right back at it. Uh, And plenty to discuss, plenty to cover uh, in our first show of 2022. We'll hear from Yuri Patera. He'll be our our long-form interview of the day in our next segment uh, as he's been back with the Silver Knights for a couple of weeks now and two starts uh, during which he he did some pretty nice work, especially in Ontario where he was just a minute and change shy of a shutout. Uh, He's been very, very strong. And and really the the goaltending platoon of Yuri Patera and Dylan Ferguson in the absence of Logan Thompson doing everything that the Silver Knights needed to do and more. Of course, Logan Thompson got his first NHL start the other night against the Nashville Predators. We'll discuss that a little bit as well. Uh, We'll also hear uh, what Dylan Ferguson uh, had to say after practice on Wednesday uh, later on the show as he talked about his outing against the Bakersfield Condors, which, you know what, what what better place to start than there as the, the Henderson Silver Knights had back-to-back games coming out of, again, what was a lengthy break. It had been about uh, twenty, uh, about 12, 12 days between games uh, before the Silver Knights got back to work post-break on New Year's Eve in Ontario against one of the better offensive teams, one of the better teams, period, in the Western Conference. But an Ontario team slipping a little bit of late, playing around 500 hockey, a little bit below as they've gone through a little bit of a funk. But that was not the factor in uh, in Ontario on New Year's Eve. The Silver Knights just played one of their best road games of the season, and they did it despite being a rather significantly shorthanded, as, as every team is right now, uh, with injuries and, and COVID situations impacting the entire league. But for the Silver Knights, they played with uh, both uh, in their games against Ontario and Bakersfield on New Year's Day. They played with just 11 forwards and found a way uh, to win. In Ontario, it was a more dominating fashion. Uh, and I think Yuri Patera had more to do with that than we realized. The, the Silver Knights outshot Ontario and really controlled the majority of the game. But when Patera did have uh, activity, it was pretty pretty often grade-A material in front of him. Chances for the likes of uh, Martin Furk, who's one of the best goal scorers in the American Hockey League in the last decade. Uh, he, he had some looks from prime areas. And Yuri Patera was there with the answer. So it was a really, really good outing when for the Silver Knights uh, with Logan Thompson up with the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, you say, okay, well, we're going to go with two goaltenders who have AHL experience, but still young goaltenders. And for Dylan Ferguson, when he played on uh, Saturday against Bakersfield, that was his first game action since November 13th. So he had been out a significant window of time. And you think if you're the team across the way, you're, you're looking and you say, all right, well, it's not Logan Thompson. Uh, and it's a, a couple of goaltenders who either in Yuri Patera's case haven't played much AHL hockey this season or in Dylan Ferguson's case hasn't played much at all in the last month and a half. 
that seems like an opportunity that, that's you know, ripe for the plucking. But Patera was phenomenal, and then Dylan Ferguson stopped 34 shots in the overtime win in Bakersfield. So goaltending has been a strength for the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, even without the reigning goaltender of the year. And I think when you look at Bakersfield and their struggles of late, they're a team that is, is largely the same team that won the division last year. Now they're missing a couple of significant pieces who have been in Edmonton with the Oilers, and that includes Tyler Benson and, uh, and Ryan McLeod, and, and of course uh, Stuart Skinner, who has been for the majority of the year in Edmonton with the injuries to Mike Smith. So th- those are, are key uh, detractions from their roster that explains a little bit where Bakersfield is in the standings, but still a, a very, very tough experienced team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and the silver knights taking them on shorthanded found a way to win so a a really encouraging performance on saturday but i think it again shows that for the condors one of their biggest problems has been goaltending and it's been because Stuart skinner hasn't been there but ollie erickson eck has his numbers have been low uh, Kovlinov has been uh, uh, a save percentage below 900, both of them. Like, th- those are just numbers that's going to make it hard to win unless you're scoring in buckets, which Bakersfield has not been. So it's easy to say, well, every team around the league is, is being impacted by injuries and call-ups, and that's the case any AHL season, let alone an unusual one like we've had. But I think it really underscores how good the goaltending for the Silver Knights has been, that when every other team has, you know, is playing out goaltending that's giving them uh, goals against average over three or a save percentage under 90, the Silver Knights are getting 35 stops a night from Dylan Ferguson or Yuri Patera in addition to what they get from Logan Thompson. So it's been a theme all year long that, okay, well, when players get an opportunity to step up, they need to do so. When players get an opportunity to, for an expanded role, what are they going to do with it? Consistently, you can say that for the Silver Knights, anyone who's gotten a chance at an expanded role has pleasantly surprised. There hasn't been anyone who's really thrown up a brick. Everyone who's gotten a chance to get second-line time when they've uh, only ever gotten fourth-line time in the past has been overwhelmingly productive. And now you can say as well, the second- and third-string goaltenders for the Silver Knights, in whichever order you want to put them, uh, have been playing essentially two goals against hockey uh, now into the beginning of January. So... For the Silver Knights, without question, I think it gets a, a little lost in the shuffle sometimes because we've been talking about the call-ups of Jake LeCision and Jonas Romberg and, and Paul Cotter. But, you know, one of the strengths of this of the team this season that has really propelled them forward has been goaltending. And for about a month, it was Logan Thompson doing that uh, because he was playing pretty much every day. But now when the, uh, the, the reinforcements have had a chance to perform, they've done just that. And that's why the Silver Knights have gone from uh, around the, the 14th or so in the in the league in goals against uh, per game midway through November to now sitting in the top five. That's a massive, massive leap, and especially to accomplish that with a rotating cast of characters, it's been impressive for Henderson. Now, as mentioned, players that are, uh, are, are out-punching their expectations, well, the man who scored the overtime winner on Saturday has been doing that as well. Here's Colt Conrad. Silver Knights have had the puck for most of overtime. Now they have a three-on-one. Miramanov in, drops it off. Connor back for Miramanov across. Conrad scores! That's a winner for Colt Conrad in overtime, and the Silver Knights have won three in a row. 
And that was Colt Conrad with the overtime winner. And again, all he's done since he's joined the Silver Knights uh, is, I, I don't want to even say exceed expectations, but I, I think that would be fair to say. Uh, but, but also, it's been, he's been impactful. He's been useful in all situations. And when he's found the back of the net, he's done it in important moments. And, and that's his second overtime winner of the season for the Silver Knights and uh, perhaps a player of smaller stature it helps him as well maybe he gets lost a little bit out there sometimes but in the three on three Cole Conrad has been very good at finding open space and that sounds silly uh, because at three on three there's so much open space but he has a talent for getting lost in the weeds and just staying enough on the periphery to be ready for in overtime when there's a turnover. It's all about quick transition. Once the puck's turned over, how quickly can you move it to the next, you know, tape-to-tape stick uh, to take advantage of that, that, op- that open space, that explosiveness. And Colt Conrad, when there's a turnover or when there's a quick transition, always gets to a scoring area, and he's capitalized. But again, for a player that prior to this season had three goals in his AHL career, he has five goals and nine points in 19 games. Uh, and has been a, a tremendous addition for the Silver Knights at this, uh, in, in the circumstances of this unique season. There was an opportunity. He was brought in on a PTO, and he turned that into a two-year AHL contract. And, uh, again, he's, he's uh, reaffirming Tim Speltz's decision every single day uh, for the Silver Knights and helped cap off another win on Saturday against Bakersfield. Yesterday we caught up with Joel Ward to talk a little bit about uh, the work his team has done, how well they've played in tight games really all season long, and where they go from here. Here's what Joel Ward had to say. With assistant coach Joel Ward. Uh, Joel, we've talked about this a a little bit in the past, but uh, this weekend kind of reinforced it with the win over Bakersfield. You guys have just had a lot of success in one-goal games, playing tight games in third periods. Is that a comfort level that develops with success over time? Uh, yeah, you know, it's just going through the experience. I think we've been in one goal game since the start. Um, our guys got used to it. And, you know, for us, we, we try to stay even keel, whether we're up or down one or two, uh, just to kind of stay with the process. And, you know, our guys been doing a really good job of just doing that. Compounding on that, uh, by, by my count, you guys this year, when you're trailing after 40 minutes, you're four, four, and one, and that's got to be among the best marks in the in the American Hockey League. I would think also part of that is that you guys are able to keep games close. Yeah, I, you know what we've our goaltending has been, you know, really strong. Of course, our back end has been another key part of us. So, you know, we can defend really well. Uh, it's just a matter of us chipping in offensively, and you know, we've been getting some timely goals. Uh, even if we've been down, we've been. We've fighting clawed our way back into games, and whether it's a special team power play goal or, or even a shorthanded play or what have you, just to gain that momentum throughout the game, and we've kind of just stayed the course. Uh, we've also we've done a really good job of that. I think just regardless of what the outcome or the situation is at that time, just to keep staying, chip away, chip away, and we've been uh, fortunate to get a few wins and and scoring a few goals late in games. Uh, you got strong goaltending performances from Yuri Patera and Dylan Ferguson this past weekend. Uh, it's been a mantra for your team, kind of, with the injuries and, and the ailments this year that everyone's taking advantage of their opportunities. But it must say every uh, it must say something that everybody seems to be taking advantage of the opportunities that they're getting. Uh, you said it, Brian. I mean, from right from day one, we've had shortened rosters. We've had guys in and out. We've had. Uh, a couple of COVID uh, cases where guys were out, uh, injuries, call-ups. 
So we faced a lot of adversity, I think, in, you know, with some travel schedules, it's been a little difficult as well. We've, I, we've, I think we've faced uh, pretty much everything that you can throw at us. And, and our guys have done a really good job of just being professional and understanding the situations that we've been in. And at the same time, knowing that, hey, they're professional hockey players, they got a job to do. And they've, they've come to work every day in practice here really hard. Um, whether it's been a shortened roster or not, guys have been just kind of showing up, doing their thing. And, um, and guys are putting in the work on and off the ice, as you can tell, and, and it's been showing paying dividends and we're getting some good results out of it. So if, if guys are just staying close to one another and, and uh, believing in the process and coming to work and having fun every day, uh, usually you have good positive results. Two more goals for Jonas Rombjörg. He and Jake Lecision already, you know, blowing past their, their career best totals or last year's totals uh, in less time. Are they playing so well because of the confidence that they got from their NHL stints? Or did they get their NHL stints because of the confidence they came into this season with? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think um, they ended up on a strong note last year. They found a pretty good role. They penalty killed. They played five on five really hard, um, you know, for them. And they kind of got rewarded a couple of games. And I think once they kind of saw the opportunity up top, uh, knowing that what's at stake and their mentality is just to kind of keep climbing and climbing and climbing and, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, in the near future that they can get up there on a full-time basis. But, uh, you know, hats off for them for working hard both on and off the ice again. Um, you know, for those guys that just paying attention to details and, and understanding, hey, you know, if you can put in the work and put in the time, you'll get some uh, positive results, as I said earlier. And, and they've been doing that and they've been uh, really well uh, uh, learning in the process and, and coachable players that's been helping them along the way. So they've been taking a lot of information from up top and trying to provide it down here. And uh, we've been trying to give them a little bit of, uh, a little bit of info from us as well from coaching staff here. And, you know, with a blend of that, they've been doing a, a really good job. Over the last 10 games for your team, the power play and the penalty kill have both been rolling. The penalty kill in that span is, is around that 90% mark. For an opposing coach, uh, or you know, put yourself in their shoes, what's more uh, intimidating or, or frustrating to, to plan against? Is it a really good power play or a really good penalty kill? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, again, another combination of both. It, you know, uh, I believe Stockton was really up there in the penalty kill. So I knew going into Stockton and the, on the one weekend that we played them up there, it was, it was an emphasis to getting pucks to the net. And we talked about their penalty kill a lot more. So, you know, you're, you're definitely conscious aware of those situations. I think for us, it's just more about us, um, what we got to do. And, you know, us executing on plays and making sure our passes and on the penalty kill, making sure our clears are strong and we're getting pucks down the ice. So I think if we stay in our structure and pay attention to our details, regardless of who we're playing against, if it's a top PK or a team that's on the bottom or struggling and vice versa, I think we'll give ourselves a chance. So our guys know that and, and for us, it's just mainly on us. And, and those times that we come up short on the power play, it's mainly because of our execution more so than I think what the opposition is doing. And that's Joel Ward. And, and again, we also kind of lose a little bit. There, there's a lot of storylines going on with the Silver Knights simultaneously right now. We, we've, we've talked goaltending into the ground, and we're going to talk more about it because we're going to have Yuri Patera uh, on next. But I, I think it's, it's attention to detail uh, in a, a rotating cast of characters. No matter who's in there, who's out, they're finding ways to, to stick to the details and play disciplined hockey, which is giving them an opportunity to win one-goal games. And, and they've been in a lot of one-goal games as well. Um, but I think almost more impressive. So for, for the Silver Knights, they're 7-4-3 and three in one-goal games. 7-4-3. and three. So they've picked up uh, of an available 28 points 
they've picked up 17 in one goal game. That's pretty good. That's that's a pretty good uh, metric there. But go, going beyond that, for the Silver Knights, in in games in which they're trailing in the second period, so when they're trailing after 40 minutes, they're 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. That's ridiculously good. Being anywhere near 500 is really, really good. Uh, and you could also say that now going into their their 24th game now, they've only trailed after 40 minutes in, in nine of them. So that's a pretty good uh, number to stack up as well. But if you're finding ways to be in that 500 ballpark when you're losing after 40 minutes, when most teams in pro hockey will put the game away, what that tells you more than anything else is that the Silver Knights, when they're losing after 40 minutes, it's close. It's a, it's a gap that they're capable of closing. So again, one-goal hockey games, tight hockey games, always keeping the game in reach has been significant for the Silver Knights. And it's a reason why, even when they're down a goal, down two goals entering the third period, they know they're going to have a chance, and they know their goaltending is going to give them a chance to find a way to win. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, capped on by what's been uh, extraordinarily good special teams work of late. Uh, a lot to smile about for Jamie Heward and Joel Ward as they continue to run the bench, uh, waiting for the return of Manny Viveros, who uh, is moving along in his recovery and everything going very well in that, uh, in that matter as well. So good news all around for the Silver Knights. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from Yuri Patera as uh, we move along on this edition of HSK Today, the first of 2022. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, the Silver Knights are excited for hockey in 2022. And you know what? You've got lots of friends, lots of family. You want to spend as much time with them as possible, but you don't want to miss any Silver Knights action. Well, you can do the two at once. Single game luxury suite packages for four or more guests are available now as our group ticketing options at the Orleans Arena. Harold the Town Crier, Lucky, and the rest of the HSK can't wait to see you there. Visit HendersonSilverKnights.com for more information. HendersonSilverKnights.com for groups and suites at the Orleans Arena. Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today. Well, as we mentioned, Yuri Patera had a pretty impressive outing on New Year's Eve against the Ontario Reign. He's been impressive in all uh, facets since he's joined the team a couple of weeks ago uh, to support Dylan Ferguson and Logan Thompson after putting up some pretty good numbers in Fort Wayne this year as well. And we caught up with Yuri Patera earlier today, and here's what Yuri had to say. With Yuri Patera, uh, Yuri, you've been back with the team for a couple of weeks now in, in Henderson, and you've had a couple of really good outings. So what, what's been uh, key for you getting off to such a good AHL start this season? Um, you know, I've been playing a lot of games in, uh, in Fort Wayne, and uh, so I've been prepared playing uh, whenever the team needs me, and uh, I was happy it went the way uh, it went. And obviously we played uh, two really good hockey games when I played, so I'm happy we uh, got those two wins. But the biggest thing for me, probably just um, keeping it simple and uh, stay as calm and quiet as I can, um, unlike last year. So I've been trying to work on that. How different is this year compared to last year? Of course, last year was strange for everybody, but you also were rehabbing injury the first half of the season. So there's got to be, in a strange way, a lot more normalcy for you this year. Yeah, it is a lot more normal uh, season, uh, season than last year, for sure. And, um, you know, it's been 
difficult last year uh, coming back from an injury because I, you know, I haven't been playing in uh, basically two and a half months. And then um, coming to the first game in the AHL, it, uh, it's a big difference from the Czech League where I played. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy that uh, I'm healthy this season and uh, yeah, just kind of keep that rolling. What are some of the differences for a European goaltender? Of course, even before last year, you played in the Western Hockey League, so plenty of, of North American hockey on your resume. But but nonetheless, there have to be differences from playing in Europe to playing in North America that a goaltender has to adjust to. Yeah, I would say, uh, of course, like European hockey, I'd say it's um, a little bit slower. You know, guys are taking their time, especially because the rink is a little bit wider, so they have uh, more time, especially on the power play. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, I'd say it's just the adjustment, you know, for for a little bit of time. But I already got used to. It. I've been playing here for quite a while now, so I've been uh, I've been used to it. With Yuri Patera, when you're working with Fred Brathwaite, what are some of the things that he hones in specifically when he's working with you? Uh, we're working a lot on our weaknesses, um, also our strengths, and uh, he's been he's been nothing but great to uh, all of us. So I'm really happy that. Uh, I have the opportunity to work with him, especially after his, uh, you can see all his uh, like career. So uh, that's amazing that we have someone uh, to take care of us like that. And yeah, again, he's a he's a great guy, and every day's a, every day's a pleasure to work with him. Even when you were in Fort Wayne, did you hear from Freddie kind of all the time? He seems like a guy who's who's constantly keeping in touch with with everybody around the globe. Yeah, he actually he was. Uh, we always called after every single game, and uh, he actually came down there to see me for uh, five days. And yeah, it was it was awesome having him there, uh, down there for for a while to show him around of uh, Fort Wayne. And yeah, it was. Uh, he's a great guy. He's been, uh, you know, he's been in touch with uh, all of us, and you know, he's just trying to make us uh, get better every single day. Well, what'd you show him? What are the hot spots in Fort Wayne? We went to uh, one steakhouse that uh, was. Uh, that our coaches uh, recommended, and it actually it, it didn't disappoint. It was really good. So that was the only place that I know in Fort Wayne. One thing I think is really interesting when you're working with Fred Brathwaite, just, just watching from afar, is of course all the players get along with the coaches, but there's a particular bond, a different bond between Freddie and that goaltending group. It seems like it's a, it's a much more uh, I don't want to say close knit, but, but there's a real camaraderie within that that goaltending battery in Fred. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's how it should be mostly like uh, in most teams it's like that that the goalie coaches are uh, closer with the goalies than obviously players are with uh, all the players but yeah it's uh, we have a nice uh, tight circle there and uh, you know it's it's fun to be around there and yeah um, I don't really know <laughs> I know what to say we're with Yuri Patera Yuri when we looked at the uh, the outing you had in Ontario on New Year's Eve I, I thought it was one of the more confident outings that you looked like you had a little bit of, a, of swagger to it. Does that come along with, with reps or a little bit of age, or was that just a night that you were seeing the puck really well? Um, I mean, hopefully it comes with age, right? Uh, but, yeah, I felt, uh, I felt really good in that game, and uh, hopefully it's just, you know, hopefully I'll feel like that every single, uh, every single night. But, yeah, I felt really good in that game. I, I was seeing pucks very well. We also played a very good defensive game, and, Scoring four goals, um, you know, four goals and three in the second period, that really helps the goalie's confidence. So um, guys played really, really well game. With Yuri Patera, Yuri, I always wonder uh, for goaltenders, style seems so important. They're always proud of the paint job on their mask or the, the new pad setup or something. Are you a style guy? 
Um, I like my, yeah, I mean, my dad paints my helmet, so he likes to have his fun on there, and uh, he always does a great job, but I like to keep my uh, my pads and my setup a little bit simple, just, you know, I like, uh, I don't like to go too crazy, but yeah, my dad, uh, my dad likes to have fun on uh, painting my helmet, so he obviously, uh, I think he did a great job, and I really like it. Well, all right, so we, we have to go into that a little bit more. Is your dad, what, what does he do when he's not painting your, your helmets? Is it a hobby of his, or is he a muralist? What does he do? Uh, no, this is actually just his hobby. He's been doing it for since I was a goalie. He started with um, actually wrapping it, and then somehow he got to uh, doing the painting and using the airbrush. So he's been he's been good with it. I trust, with, uh, trust, trust him with it, and, you know, it's awesome that he can do it for me, so... I'm happy with it. Well, sometimes father knows best. I know sometimes yeah. I go to my, my dad and I say, oh, let's do this. He's like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. So I wonder, does he take recommendations from you or does he paint whatever he wants to paint and you get what you get? It's actually fun. He always, uh, he always yells at me to give him some recommendations <laughs> and tell him what to do. And then uh, when I tell him, he's like, no, I, I'm going to make it look a little yeah, bit better. He 20 bucks from a shootout in practice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was Paul. And he's right, uh, but yeah, uh, where where did I end? Yeah, he uh, yeah he does uh, he just does it for for a hobby, and I mean sometimes he uh, he tells me what to tell him uh, what to put on the helmet, but then he's like, okay, well I'm just gonna do it myself, and he always does uh, does his part, and he's doing a great job, so I just keep it to him. So for fans who haven't sat close enough at the Orleans Arena, what what's on the mask now? Um, I have a obviously Vegas Golden Knights logo. Then I have a knight on the other side, and the Vegas party, the, the Vegas strip uh, on the top. So and uh, also I have my dad's uh, number that he used to wear on my chin. We're the Erie Patera. Uh, you, Paul Cotter just interrupted and said that you owe him twenty bucks from a shootout. Is that something you guys do often? Uh, financially competitive post-practice shootouts. This was actually my first time playing. Uh, this season, playing for 20 bucks, and uh, I think I'll stay out of it for a while. Did you lose like a best of five, or was it winner take all? Uh, he made um, he made it easier for him. He said he's gonna score one out of five or two out of five, <laughs> and he did. So I'll uh, I owe him twenty dollars. With Yuri Patera, I think fans learned something new about you last week. It showed up on uh, social media for the Silver Knights. Uh, you play the piano, and you don't just play like Happy Birthday or Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Like You play the piano. How long have you been playing? Uh, my first year when I was in States in 2000, I think it was 17, I was really bored. So I just, you know, I always, um, for some reason, I always thought that piano is a nice, good instrument. It sounds nice. So I... I uh, went to the store, I bought like the cheapest uh, piano keyboard and I started practicing and one thing led to another. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to read music, I gotta say that. I don't know how to read music, but I, I think I have the hearing, but that's about it. So you're self-taught yes. and, and it's, it's all just based on, on feel? You just learn what, what keys sounded like what? Um, no, that I would be lying, but uh, no, I, uh, I watch like uh, YouTube videos and I like try to learn from that and then uh just get together a few a uh, few songs but yeah i knew i knew how to play quite a few songs um back when i was playing like almost every day but now yeah i forgot like 
most of them, so I need to get back to it. Do all the other guys, do, do you play for the other players or your roommates? Does everyone else uh, like it? I played for Preems, but I don't know if he's a fan because <laughs> I always play it on, uh, at his place when I hang out uh, at his house. But, yeah, he he li- he was liking it at the start, but then I, I think I was repeating the songs all over and over, and <laughs> he got a little sick of it. I think Reed Duke plays like three or four instruments. So you should have you talked to the locker room. You get a band together or something. I, That's I, a music video that that we would shoot. I didn't even know Duke plays anything. He he told me he does. I, I he could be lying to try to impress me, but he, I think he plays the saxophone and the flute and a, a couple really? of things. Well, I mean, then I guess we're gonna make a band. Then we need to find a singer. Oh, but they don't. Well, you said Prem's listen to you a lot, so Prem's could be uh, Mason Primo could be your singer. Yeah, I mean. Prince would be a uh, good singer, don't you think? He sings good in a car, so. <laughs> we're with Yuri Patera, year before we let you go. Uh, what are your goals for the rest of, of this season? Again, you've had a couple of good outings this year. You're having good numbers in the ECHL as well. What are you hoping to accomplish by year's end? Um, I just want to play as many games as possible. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's a a little bit different than last year again uh, I've been going up and down but yeah well whatever I am I would just want to play as many games as I can play the best I can and uh, get as, uh, you know help the team uh, get as many wins as they can Yuri thanks for your time appreciate it and uh, put me in contact with your dad maybe you can paint my headset oh I will <laughs> awesome and that's Yuri Patera, and again, just a, a phenomenal job that he's done in his two AHL games, and pretty pretty stout numbers in uh, with ECHL Fort Wayne as well, five four and one with a two sixty nine goals against average and a nine ten save percentage. You can just see again that that uh, there's a swagger factor to him, uh, and a uh, a willingness to attack, a willingness to attack the puck and to, to uh, challenge shooters, and, and it was really really evident against the Ontario Reign. I'll tell you, what, I, I, you learn something new every day. I never heard before that Yuri Patera's dad painted masks, let alone his, uh, and, or, that he, uh, or that Yuri played piano. That was, that was new. Uh, and I've, I'd like to, in the, in the weeks ahead on this show, I need to start circling back with more players because, uh, first of all, I, I don't think I would be capable of, of teaching myself to play the piano on YouTube. Um, but maybe I need to try now. That's what we can learn from Yuri Paterin. And right now, I bet all of our listeners, we're still kind of in the, uh, the mode of New Year's resolutions, whether we're deciding what they're going to be, or if we decide that, uh, well, one weekend we've already botched it and we've completely uh, missed the mark and we're, we're already late. Maybe, maybe you're going to go to the gym more and you haven't pulled into the parking lot of the gym in the past uh, six days. You know, that's... That's something where I, I think we can go a little easy on ourselves sometimes and say, well, I'm really busy or, you know, it's, it seemed like a good idea, but how did I know I was going to have so much going on in the first couple of weeks of January? Well, if Yuri Patera can go on YouTube and teach himself how to play the piano, maybe we're all a little bit more capable than we realize of, uh, of trying something new, learning something new, uh, and, and pushing ourselves a little bit. So... Is this is this the should I come up with a New Year's resolution right now? I've I've been having this exact same problem. I've been trying to say, well, there's certain things I'd like to add to my skill set, but I'm just so busy. Well, I plan to hopefully be busy for the next uh, 60 years or so. The the schedule isn't going to be lightening up at all. So so no time like the present. What should Brian McCormick do this year to? 
uh, following the footsteps of Yuri Patera or Lyndon McCallum, who we've had on the show before, taught himself uh, magic tricks. What should Brian McCormick learn to do? You know, I'm going to hold off. And uh, in our last segment, I'll, I'll, I'll commit to something. I'll commit to something. And then you guys can, can hop on Twitter or whatnot. And you can reach out to me and let me know if I, if I picked a good one. All right. So uh, let, more, more to come on that on the other side of the break. But we'll step aside. Uh, and when we come back, we'll, we'll hear Dylan Ferguson's comments from Wednesday after practice where he talked about his weekend and, again, the performance of his team over the last couple of weeks. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. The Henderson Silver Knights getting set for two games this weekend against the San Jose Barracuda. But while uh, the team is away, Lifeguard Arena is still hopping, and it's always a great place for your special occasions, from birthday parties and company outings with a view of the Vegas Strip to ice skating and much more. Lifeguard Arena has you covered. Call 725-201-3032. 725-201-3032. And find out how you can have your special day at Lifeguard Arena. Well, as we mentioned, the uh, goaltending has been a bedrock for the Henderson Silver Knights over the course of the last, uh, well, really the last month and a half, you can make a solid argument. And now it isn't just Logan Thompson who's, who's driving that. Logan Thompson, who, by the way, had a, a solid first NHL start on uh, Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. Now, it wasn't his NHL debut. He did get into a game late last season uh, for about nine minutes of, of a relief appearance, but this was his first NHL start, and I thought he was very good. I, I had a chance to, to be at that game, uh, and of the, of the goals he, <coughs> he gave up, I could see him maybe wanting uh, another crack at, at the first Philip Forsberg goal, or, or a wrist shot from, from uh, about the tops of the circles. Uh, but in, in Logan Thompson's defense, there are a lot of goaltenders who don't stop Philip Forsberg wrist shots when he has a clean look. Um, after that, the, the Yakov Trenin deflection that was straight up under the bar, that was deflected almost behind him. I mean, there's really not much, I think, that, Dylan, that uh, Logan Thompson could do about that one. And then, of course, the, the Philip Forsberg goal number two, that ended up being the game winner. I think that's a goal we're going to see replayed a couple of times over the course of the next months uh, as he danced his way to the front. I don't think there's much Logan Thompson could have done about that either, but uh, a, a strong outing, and uh, interesting to see if he gets another uh, another chance uh, as Loren Brassois and Robin Leonard continue to try to work their way back. But Dylan Ferguson, uh, really strong for the Silver Knights in his return from what was, again, a lengthy absence. He had not played since November the 13th. He was injured in a collision with Byron Fraze in Stockton, so worked his way back, got back between the pipes, and made 34 saves in the overtime victory over the Bakersfield Condors. And, you know, it, over the last couple of years, of course, Dylan Ferguson last year in the ECHL predominantly with the Fort Wayne Comets where he won a Kelly Cup for Fort Wayne. You know, he's put great numbers wherever he's been, but this year seems to be the first year that he's getting consistent or is at least on trajectory to get consistent regular AHL work prior to his injury. But uh, even in the small sample size, the numbers are always standout for Dylan Ferguson. He's got a 198 goals against average and a 932 save percentage in five appearances this season. 
He's been doing work. He's been getting results, and we spoke with him briefly yesterday after practice. Here's Dylan Ferguson. With goaltender Dylan Ferguson. Uh, first off, Dylan, you uh, you got to back up last night for the VGK game uh, against Nashville. Was that uh, you played the NHL before? But is it still a neat experience to, to be on the bench? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always a good time. But the atmosphere in that rink is, is definitely something special, especially when you're down the ice level. Um, you know, it was great to see LT get in there and get his first chance. And uh, congrats to him. I thought he played really well. Is it when you know you're backing up, if, if it is still cool for you again to, to go out for NHL warm ups and the atmosphere in the building? I, I feel like if, if, if you're not starting, it's a little easier to soak it all in than maybe if you are. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially as a goalie, I think, um, you know, a big thing for us is kind of draining out the noise and just focusing on the puck, right? And trying to make do the do the best we can to make those saves. So it's definitely, um, like you said, it's a little easier to soak everything in when, when you're not starting. Well, you got back into game action uh, against Bakersfield over the weekend. It was your first game action since November 13th. Uh, you got the win. How did you feel coming back from a, a lengthy layoff? Yeah, you know, I felt good. I think leading up to it, I really just wanted to take my practices like my games. Um, you know, every puck was important no matter where I was. And I think I think that helped me in that game. And um, obviously you can't you can't match a game in a practice. But I thought as every period went on, I started to feel more like myself. So uh, overall, I felt good. And it was great to get a win. Is that a challenge to approach when you've been away for a bit? Because we talk about for position players, you know, go out there one or two shifts, throw the body around, you get into it. But as a goaltender, whether you have a heavy workload or not, you're kind of just out there. So, so like, when do you feel back to yourself when you're coming back in that kind of a circumstance? You know, I, I you know, they say goaltending is 90% mental. And I think um, when you go into a situation like that or you go through uh, adversity, I think you just got to, you know, trust yourself and trust the work and trust the people around you that support you and, and your team that they're going to do their job. And um, when you have that mindset and just go out there and play and do the best you can, I think it's, uh, it's a powerful thing. Against Bakersfield, you made 14 saves in the third period. You guys have had a lot of one-goal games this year and uh, a lot of success in one-goal games this year. Why have you guys been so comfortable playing in those kind of tight margins? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, I'm going to go back to the trusting. I think everyone everyone has to trust in each other. And, uh, you know, as we play more games like that, um, we get more comfortable in those situations and it grows our belief that we're going to come out on top every time. There was supposed to be a game tonight against San Diego that was postponed. There have been a couple of that uh, for every team in the, in the league. Usually we think of it from a, a COVID perspective in terms of player health. But on the other side of it, with the postponements you guys have been dealing with, you guys are such creatures of habit and routine. Uh, what are the challenges of, of staying ready for the next game when the schedule gets so suddenly disjointed? I think that's another good question. I think now more than ever, you really have to just stay in the moment. And, um, you know, there's so much unpredictability uh, in everywhere in the world right now. So it's, you know, it's just making the most of the day that you have and um, really just, like I said, staying in the moment. And uh, by doing that, I, I feel it takes a bit of stress off yourself and, and the team and um, helps us get ready for that next game, whenever that may be. Now that we've turned into January, what uh, feels like we're past the, the one third mark of the season. So 
it's appropriate to do some standings watching, see where things stack up. Right now, you guys are neck and neck with Ontario, and Stockton has sort of come into view. Do, do you guys start to to do some standings watching and juxtapose with the schedule, do some math, or, or do you not really look at that broad of a scope? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly the last guy to look at any stats. Um, <laughs> I know there's there's probably a couple guys that like to look into it. I'm just someone that, that really believes in just staying in the moment and trusting the process, and things are just going to work out. And, um, you know, it's good to hear that that we're up there with them, but uh, like, like I said, it's, you know, it's easy to get tied into those things uh, when they're going good and when they're going not so good. So uh, for myself personally, I just kind of like to focus on where I am and what I got to do to get the job done. So maybe you've answered this question already, but you get ready for a weekend against San Jose. First games against the Barracuda for you guys this season. They've got some productive scorers on that uh, roster. Is there anybody you key on in particular? I've heard, I've heard a couple guys bring up the name of Vander Kane. Um, it's a, that's a pretty, pretty interesting one. I think it's a cool opportunity to play against a guy like that. Um, and it's, you know, we're, we're going to go do what we do. We, we're going to go play our game. We're going to go out with the belief that we're going to get the two points, four points. And, um, yeah, again, just take things a day at a time. And that is Dylan Ferguson. And, and again, just a interesting commentary from him staying in the moment and we talk so much about the COVID challenges for every team around the league, but we usually talk about it in terms of, of manpower, staying healthy, uh, and of course the protocols. I don't think we've talked as much about the adjustments that players need to make when their schedule is so constantly impacted as it has been over the course of the last two seasons. And for the Silver Knights, they only had one game postponed last year uh, that ended up never being made up against the Colorado Eagles. But for the most part, last year's schedule was relatively uh, untouched, and that was because of the uh, the, the bubble, the, the, the stronger, more uh, more strict bubble uh, circumstances that were utilized last year, and that, that realistically you can only utilize in a, in a shortened season. I think that's a tough way for anyone to live over the course of nine months. So it's not surprising that they didn't go back to that, as as we hope that the uh, the situation improves over the next couple of weeks. But for for these players that they start preparing for a game, you know, preparing for their bodies days in advance. And that's that's why back-to-back -back games can be so challenging because it, it doesn't afford you that retool, reload, rejuvenate time. Uh, but when you prepare for a couple of days for a game and then that game disappears off the calendar, well, you've spent a couple of days trying to get yourself set for that, and now you need to, to readjust your scope for the next game that's on the calendar. It gives you more time, but it doesn't stick with the, the routine that was designed for you to be ready to play hockey. So I, I find that interesting. You know, how do you deal with that, con that constant uh, uncertainty of, hey, we're playing tomorrow, for, at least for now. Uh, and, and for him to say, you know, you just stay in the moment. And, and really, it, from what he made, it sound like, th think less about it and, and just react to things as they come to you. And, well, what better, uh, what better answer can you get from a goaltender than that? Uh, and the, uh, the Silver Knights continue to get strong goaltending from their entire battery. Uh, another thing to, to discuss is, as the Silver Knights get set for their first meeting of the season with the San Jose Barracuda, it's the only team in the Pacific Division that they have not yet played, but they will play them tomorrow and Saturday at SAP Center. And this is another team that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to get a read on what they are capable of. Right now they're towards the bottom of the Pacific Division standings. They are a team that has talent, uh, but they're a team that also has been heavily, heavily impacted 
by call-ups to the NHL club. Right now, Scott Reedy, Jaden Havagawaks, both Merkley brothers. Noah Greger has been up with the uh, with the Sharks for, for the vast majority of the season. Jacob Megna is up. So a lot, a lot, a lot of scoring talent up in uh, up with the San Jose Sharks right now. Uh, the players that you need to, to focus in on for this weekend, Joachim Blickfeld, who was their top goal scorer last year, and Sasha Shemilevsky, they're both with the Barracuda, and both of them were, were among the hottest uh, scorers in the Western Conference at the end of last season when they got called up to the National Hockey League to stay. Well, right now everyone around them has been called up, but they remain in San Jose, and I think Joachim Blickfeld probably will get uh, the greatest spotlight defensively from the Silver Knights this weekend. He has points in four of his last five games, three goals and seven points in that five-game stretch. Uh, he's an explosive player, and and uh, in terms of just give you an idea of how dangerous he can be and, and how explosive he can be, he has four multi-goal games this season, and the last of which was on New Year's Eve. So certainly an eye on those two. Uh, and then uh, the, the unique uh, player to keep an eye on for AHL fans is one of the more recent additions for the San Jose Barracuda, and that is Evander Kane, uh, who, of course, uh, has had a, an embattled season at the NHL level that had him sent to AHL San Jose. And, and since he's been there, though, he's been producing like you would expect a, uh, an NHL caliber player and a, you know, a former all-star caliber player in the National Hockey League uh, to perform at the AHL level. He's in the midst of a four-game point streak, but he has not played since December 18th due to injury and illness. I, I don't know that he's going to be available. Uh, I, I should know off the top of my head. I'm sorry I don't. I think he was dealing with some COVID protocols, but I'm not sure if he'll be ready to go this weekend. But when he's played, uh, he's had two points I'm sorry, two, two goals and, uh, and eight points in his last four AHL games. So if he is available, uh, then, of course, he is going to be among the most dangerous players that the, uh, that the Barracuda have to offer. And the Silver Knights will try to put as much heat on the Barracuda as they can. For the Silver Knights, certainly they know they can rely on special teams because it's been among the best special teams units on both sides of the puck uh, in the American Hockey League over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks for the Silver Knights. 22.4% on the power play over their last 10 games, and on the penalty kill, 89.1% over the last 10. Both units doing incredibly well. That is going to do it for us as we wrap up our afternoon edition of HSK Today. Again, the Silver Knights and San Jose Barracuda will play on Friday and Saturday night. Both 7 o'clock puck drops at SAP Center. We'll have all the action for you here on 12.30 the game. Special thanks to Yuri Patera, Dylan Ferguson, and Joel Ward. And I said I was going to come up with some sort of New Year's resolution for you guys, something I'm going to work on. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to try to learn French. Let's see if I can figure it out by the end of the year. Thanks for joining, everyone. We'll see you next week on HSK Today.